Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One With Friends podcast. Yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> let's just let's just dive get into it. In. Yeah, let's just dive on in to a weirdly continued episode in some regards and not in others. So we'll obviously yeah. talk about it, but yeah, uh, take it away with the recap. All right. So this week we watched season six, episode two, titled The One Where Ross Hugs Rachel, written by Shana Goldberg-Mihan, directed by Gail Mancusco, originally aired on September 30th, 1999. When Monica and Chandler tell Rachel that they are moving in together, she mistakenly believes that all three will be roommates, and Phoebe discovers that Ross hasn't annulled his marriage to Rachel. Um, I know you explained it to me just before the episode started, but I really think the writers could have come up with a better name for this episode. Just because Ross hugs Rachel twice doesn't mean an entire episode needs to be named after it. Oh, I agree. I was just explaining that that's what I think. No, I know. And I think you're it, I think you're right. That's but the like, only thing that would make sense. It could have been named like the one with the three roommates, the one with the misunderstanding, the one with the bad news. Like there's there's so many yeah. Yeah. other options besides the one where Ross hugs Rachel. Yeah. Weird. Interesting. Okay. Well, this episode starts off with a soft, a soft open. Okay. Like the last episode, the soft open is an extended scene of the tag scene from the last episode. Where Ross and Rachel are leaving the cafe and Phoebe, it continues because Phoebe rushes outside to meet with them. She needs to get Rachel out of there so that she can yell at Ross (laughs) for not getting the annulment. So she like shoves her into a taxi and it takes off with Rachel in it and She's like yelling. She's like, you didn't get the annulment. Like you have to get it. And he tells Phoebe like he went to take care of it and just couldn't stomach the idea of another failed marriage and asks her to keep his secret for him, Yeah, which she definitely shouldn't have done, but she agrees to. Right. Um, Ross looks stoned in this episode, or at least this opener. At the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, so there's, there's two goofs here. So when Phoebe and Ross are standing outside, you you can physically see a man in a gray shirt mm-hmm. walk into Central Park by himself. And then immediately, so like it, because it, it's panning from like Phoebe to mm-hmm. Ross, Phoebe to Ross, and then it pans to Ross and then back to Phoebe. And the same guy in like a split second is walking into the cafe again with somebody else <laughs> oh, in okay. the same shirt, everything. So it's like, that's... <laughs> two different shots you should have looked at that better um and then also rachel says that her and ross are going to a movie um at the angelica which in comparison to where they are um Mm. that theater is in the southernmost edge of green uh greenwich village which is south or east of anywhere near central park um so she should have said we're walking down or over to the angelica Mm. it's highly unlikely that they would be going up to it Gotcha. Ooh, good call. So just like a little geography thing. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden after after she kind of agrees to keep the secret, the taxi backs back into the scene 
And Rachel is like so confused and frustrated with Phoebe, who practically repeats what she did again to like end the scene. She's like, how was the movie? She's like, I didn't see it yet. (laughs) And she's like, well, the Angelica, go, go, go. (laughs) Like she zips off again. I think that was really like, this is probably my favorite scene of Phoebe in this whole episode. Like she did fabulous in it. Now, in the main part of the episode, we're in the girls' apartment. Chandler and Monica are cuddling and discussing them moving in together. And he, like, they're wondering how he's going to tell Joey. And he keeps kind of losing his nerve and how she is having a hard time telling Rachel. They're just having a big discussion about the whole thing. And because they've they've had, like, a hard time of it individually, they agree that they're both going to tell each of them the next time that they see them. So, like clockwork, Joey walks in. And when they try to announce it at the beginning, he thinks they're pregnant. Um, But the real news comes a little bit harder and a little bit heavier. Uh, So they tell him and he puts on a brave face, you know, to say congratulations. But he tries to kind of scurry out of there as he is clearly upset. And he even tries, tries to like warn Monica off of Chandler as a roommate. But he can't even lie about it. He's like, he's the best roommate ever. And like goes to give him a hug. It's a really sweet Joey moment, I think. It is. And can I just say, I oddly liked that pink tie he was wearing, that Chandler was wearing. With the two blue stripes? Yeah. Yes. And I don't I, know why I liked it so much, but I did. I think it was the first non-crazy tie we've seen on Chandler. <laughs> Monica is definitely having an influence. I would agree. I would agree. Yes. Uh, so downstairs in the cafe... We follow Monica downstairs. Uh, She comes in the cafe looking for Rachel, but finds Phoebe. And it's sort of a rinse and repeat of Joey's initial assumption. She thinks that Monica is pregnant. So that's obviously not the case. Uh, She tells Phoebe and Phoebe is happy to hear the news. Ross joins the group and he finds out too. And everyone's excited about it. So Monica's like, well, I've got to go look for Rachel now that like literally everybody else knows. So she takes her leaves takes her leave sorry and asks them to try and tell Rachel some bad news if they see her first so that her news doesn't seem as bad yeah and this part is so funny to me (laughs) Phoebe like dangles that in front of Ross like a freaking carrot she's like hmm bad news for Rachel what could that be (laughs) like what could we possibly tell her a lot of good like one-liners it was it was so like passive aggressive even though she's She's like an accomplice in holding the secret. It's so passive aggressive towards Ross. And Phoebe like tries to tell Ross like tries to level with him. But he claims like he'll be at the bottom of the barrel. There'll be like the murderer guy, the four divorce guy and the geologist, of course, which he seems to be completely tickled by. Um, as if like there's like a little hierarchy even between like the sciences, which to yeah. me is hilarious. But I guess they do that with everything. Like they'll they even do that within like the army, the marines. Like they'll do that there too. So it's just funny that he has like this little inside joke of like geologists geologists being like lower than paleontologists. <laughs> it's so funny. Now in in her effort, in Phoebe's effort to show like the embarrassment thing is all in his head, she parades him over to this group of girls at the adjacent table to try and prove her point. But I will say that the way she words it does not work in his favor. No, not at all. She's just like, hey, this is my friend Ross. He's about to get his third divorce. Do you want to date him? <laughs> like, he's like, 
and I'm going to go get Ross <laughs> yeah. um, as a way to try and like get out of it and not be like ashamed. But yeah. she pulls okay. him back and that kind of ends that scene. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So um, when I first watched this episode, I noticed Phoebe's hair because I feel like her hair is always up or a lot of times up. And I noticed I was mm-hmm. like, her hair looks really cute, like really great down. It's a good length. It's a good style. Like I really liked it. Mm. And then I was looking at facts later for this episode and I realized that this is the first episode where Lisa Kudrow starts wearing a wig. So that wasn't even her hair. Oh. Apparently she had cut her hair into a yes. bob and they felt like it wasn't well suited for the style of Phoebe. Mm-hmm. So she starts wearing a wig in this scene, this episode. Um, the only episodes in this season that she has her actual hair is episode 15 and 16. Wow. Uh, the one that could have been part one and two. And then oh, yeah. Lisa also wears the same wig for a few scenes in a movie she has called Hanging Up. Wow. So it's not her hair. And I felt really sad. I was like, oh, I loved that. But. You know, that makes a lot of sense because her hair does get like different, but I really never noticed it. So I'm glad yeah, you called after, that out. After I after I realized that, I went back and rewatched that scene and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can definitely tell now that this is a wig. Okay. Like, I mean, it's not obvious. If you, if you didn't know it was a wig, it wouldn't be obvious, but it is so different than even what her hair looked like in season five that mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, it's pretty obvious that this is something different, like yeah. her normal style. Yeah. Now I'll, now I'll be like watching it a little differently, probably. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good fact. So back upstairs in the girl's apartment, Chandler comes back uh, and finds that Rachel hasn't been told yet, <laughs> but that everybody else knows and there's no turning back like this is happening. Now, Rachel gets home, but announces that she's had the worst day. Yeah. Um, so this obviously makes the news that they have to tell her so much harder. And when they break the news, they say it in a way that sort of shields a portion of the truth. Like, she is so happy for them. She isn't, but she hasn't quite seen the part of the bad news that she has to move out. And Monica is the one that bends to this misunderstanding. And Chandler is, like, shocked that she's, like, going along with allowing her to stay ignorant. She's like, it's going to be the three of us. We're going to be, like, the three best friends. Like, we're going to be roomies. She's so excited. She's pumped. She's pumped about it. And it makes me think of when I moved to Nashville and lived with my two friends, how like I just became like a little trio. It like gave me like little flashbacks to like, that's what it would have been like. It would have been Rachel and then the couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Chandler is like very, I guess, shocked that like Monica just like let yeah. her like come and it's- knock on our door. <laughs> And then she, yeah. like, finished the song. Finish it out. It, it's just interesting because, like, Monica is such a control freak and she's so good at control until it comes to, like, letting down one of her friends. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, all of a sudden she becomes, like, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you don't get sad. Yes. Which is, it's just, like, the total opposite. And just Chandler's face throughout the whole thing. He's, like, like he acted everything through facial expressions, which was just perfect. Yes. And for those of you that were a little bit too young, um, come and knock on our door. That is the theme song for Three's Company. So I just, I just recognize that we yeah. have like a really broad span yeah. of of people that listen. So that's where that song comes from. 
which makes sense because they would be a trio if they did, in fact, all live together. So uh, downstairs, we go, um, we drop in uh, into the end of Ross, who has taken task to explaining out the entirety of his divorces situation with these three women. So you can tell from here, like we're picking back up right where we left off, but a little bit of time has passed. Now, most of them really don't mind the divorce and the divorces themselves, but one won't date him while he's still married. Fair. I think that's fair. Fair. Yeah. One isn't dating at all and starts to kind of tell her like self-discovery story, which Phoebe could care less about. Like, okay. The third wouldn't date him, but only because she calls Ross out on still having feelings for Rachel, which he very much takes major like offense to. And once again, it's one of those thus protesteth too much. (laughs) Like he keeps getting himself into these situations where he keeps trying to go all in in order to prove a point. And people are like, not buying it. And I love how Phoebe stands up for Joey in this little fake situation that Ross, Ross paints. Like, I would rather marry Joey with, like, I could have married Joey without much, with that much alcohol. And Phoebe's like, you would be lucky <laughs> to have somebody yeah. like Joey. <laughs> Joey Tribbiani. It was just so cute of her to stand up for her friend. I loved it. Now, Phoebe finds herself on Megan's side. And like ties Ross's decision to not get an annulment into him still liking Rachel. So he states like, okay, if this will prove to everyone that he still doesn't have feelings, then he will go get the annulment. He's like, I'm going to put my, my, if this will prove it, I'm going to go do it. Now it would have been funny enough to have Rachel use that as like, uh, reverse psychology of like, if I make him think that I believe he still likes her as, or in order for him to like, put to push him over the other end like that would have been funny enough but the fact that like him acting on it just drives home the point for phoebe even more is i think what makes this episode for me yeah or at least the storyline for sure yeah Um, and i loved his little at the end there with the um because the girl was like oh now i'm not gonna date you because you're creepy and he says you know like i'm gonna go get the annulment or whatever and then he says like nothing to her and then like looks down and shouts it at her (laughs) i don't know if it's just because i've watched too much Shit's creek lately or what but like david does that in an episode too and so i just immediately like went there and i was like this is hilarious and i like died laughing oh nice at work i was watching this at work and it was dead silent and i like laughed out loud (laughs) yeah i felt so embarrassed i was like oh no I did laugh out loud several times during this episode. I think more than the last episode even. But I definitely, there were moments for me. One of them's yeah. coming up in the next couple of scenes, but I've it was funny. I realized I need to stop watching these at work. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's out of control. <laughs> yeah, too much. Or like try and be aware of your surroundings more, which is hard when yeah, you're like trying to engross yourself into like making notes and finding facts and things like that. So Yeah, I, get it. I only do it when I'm like not leading an episode because I don't have to be like in it as engrossed in it yeah yes yeah for sure completely agree so we we pop back downstairs into or no upstairs we head back upstairs to the girls apartment chandler and monica are discussing needing to tell rachel the truth and we find this like little double standard of like she doesn't want her best friend she doesn't want to like hurt her but chandler's like but joey's my best friend right and she's like i'm not your best friend (laughs) 
like girls can like as if girls can have best friends that are outside of their significant other but like guys can't (laughs) or like we get offended that's really funny to me um monica but monica ultimately agrees to kind of bite the bullet so chandler bails immediately he's out of there um and she kind of preps for all the sadness with cookies and tissues and she sits with rachel and comes clean like there was a misunderstanding we actually like we want you to move out. And Rachel just doesn't quite react the way that Monica was expecting. She kind of like laughs off the misunderstanding, like, oh, silly me. And just simply says like, okay, when Monica tells her that she can take as much time as she needs to like move out, she's like, okay. And just kind of leans back. And, and Monica, Monica is just questioning everything. And we kind of leave her in that moment. When we hop across the hallway into the guy's apartment at, at whatever's happening kind of simultaneously. So Chandler's packing and, and we see a stark contrast because Joey is already missing his roommate and grieving his new future without the two of them being together. Right. And they're, they're having a moment. They're sitting across the kitchen from each other. They're having a moment. And Monica joins them having come over from her conversation that she just had comes across the hallway joins them and lets them know that like she told Rachel the news and like Monica starts throwing this like she's upset that Rachel wasn't sad mad didn't cry and she's throwing like this little hissy fit almost while while Joey on one end is like it's the end of an era on Monica's side, like, she can't get a single thing from Rachel after six years. And we see, like, there something is happening. And Monica is almost jealous of the reaction that Chandler's getting from Joey because she's getting nothing from Rachel yeah. in this experience. Yeah. Um, the Magna Doodle, it's the only time we've seen it in this episode. Is Or I last think... episode. We didn't see yeah. it last episode either. I don't think we were ever in the guy's apartment last oh, episode. Oh, that's true. That's um, not... Yeah, you're right. I I tried to catch it because it was very quick. I'm okay. pretty sure it was a boat with a shark in the water. Um, <laughs> there was like a little fin. That's like all I could see because I was trying to like pause it when the door was like being closed when it was blurry. So yeah. I saw a boat in water with a shark. So it was some kind of beach scene. It made no sense. <laughs> okay. Um, also, the Kino ticket holder that was on the table when they were having breakfast in the last episode in mm-hmm. Vegas yeah. can be physically seen now in Chandler <gasps> and Joey's apartment. So they stole it. So they took it. Yeah. You know, I looked at that in the last one thinking that like, I wonder what that significance is. I would not have known what it looked like had I not like it drew drew my attention when we were at the breakfast scene in the last episode. Wow. It's so funny, like what you'd steal to like create a memory, but then you realize that you end up with like a bunch of knickknacks. Really random stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That like doesn't go with your decor. Right. Um. Oh, also one other thing. Um, so Rachel and Monica keep making mention that they've lived together for six years, even though technically yes. Rachel didn't move in until the first episode of the series. It's five full five years. years ago. So yes. they keep saying six, but it's actually only five. I know it's like semi driving like me semi driving me nuts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so. Oh, crap, I moved. Uh, Okay, this. So we cut away from the back and forth with the whole group. 
and we finally catch up with with Ross, who is making good on the fact that he wants to prove his point with Phoebe and get a divorce. And this divorce lawyer or attorney is just stoically so funny. Oh, yeah. He totally calls Ross out for the consistency of Rachel being like this main side character for two out of his three divorces. Um. And then they like get into the logistics of telling like the process of what's going to happen. And Ross finds out that Rachel needs to get involved. Now, I'm not condoning this in any way. But Ross could have lied about why she needed to testify in court without telling her that he actually waited and, and, and didn't actually have a plan on doing it. He could have said, I thought I took care of it, but my lawyer just told me that because of the time that had passed, we need to both go in and testify that we were of not sound mind. He, he I like think he technically could have lied. Oh, yeah. Of course, that's not what we're going to do because it's television. But I'm like, the fact that like Ross finds out and then like the way that he has to tell his lawyer that like I kind of. I kind of already told her because he's like, what if it's someone that looks like Rachel? <laughs> right. And he's like, no. He's like, I kind of but already also, told her I took care of it. And when uh, when I tell you that when he said, of course you did, I was cackling with how funny that was to me. I don't know. It just got me. It got me. Yeah, um, I just find it. Yeah, it was hilarious. But, like, also, wouldn't you think that Ross would know the process by this point? Now, I know he's getting an annulment versus a divorce. But I You're still so feel right. like, honestly, I feel like um, him and him and Rachel, him, he and Emily's relationship was probably also more of an annulment than a divorce because they weren't married that long. I mean, so, I mean it I was probably like, like a month. Right. I feel like he would have known this process. I think I'm pretty sure. And again, it goes into like if we decide to do a deep dive on divorce versus annulment. But I'm pretty sure it's like it it does have something to do with the time period as well mm-hmm. as like other factors. So I don't know. But I feel like he would have known what the process was. Also, I just need to take a quick moment and apologize. My roommate is currently playing the piano. So you'll probably hear that in the background. Oh, I haven't. I can't hear it at all. At least I can't. But well, that's good. But I can hear it loud and clear. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Ross should Ross should at least be somewhat familiar. Yeah, that's funny. Um. Okay. So back in the girls' apartment, we're kind of winding down into the last two scenes. And Rachel is painting her toes when Monica returns from the guy's place. So this is like a direct continuation. She's been over at the guy's place explaining how she's sad that Rachel has zero emotions. (laughs) And she comes back over to her place to find Rachel painting her toes. And she sort of just passively is like suggests that they start dividing their stuff to avoid the hard, long process of her not living there anymore. And she's just trying to get something out of Rachel. So she's like parading things in front of her and driving the point home as hard as she can, like something to remember me by. Like she has kind of like crazy eyes 
and is trying to like elicit some sort of emotions. Like Monica is picking this fight. Let's just say that. She brings up like you could say the end of an era, (laughs) the sentiment, the sentiment that, you know, she's been hearing from the guys and argues with Rachel that like it finally starts to just escalate. She's like, well, maybe these past six years wasn't significant to her like it was, you know, to me, to, to Monica. And Rachel is like, what is wrong with you? And they battle it out. And then the bomb does drop. The bomb is dropped. Like, Rachel kind of hesitantly mentions that she's not more affected by the news because she doesn't really believe that it's going to happen. Like, she's like, this is, you guys just kind of do, like, you're going to get married in Vegas and then you didn't. So I'm just kind of like not convinced. But then Monica has a very, yeah, yeah, which I, I would have expected that to be more of like, this is like a character thing that she's calling you out on. That to me would have been like, wait, are you serious? But actually Monica shows some decorum. In, in internal strength somehow. And she really brings the like the weight of the reality into this convo by stating the finality of their decision. Like this yeah. is happening. Like we are moving in together. And that's when Rachel feels it. She starts to cry. She's like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. It's like the end of an era. And she's like, I know. (laughs) It's like, it's so perfect. It's like she finally gets the emotions that she's been wanting from Rachel. Rachel finally accepts the truth, you know, to the situation. And they have that roommate moment that Monica so desperately wanted. Yeah, I have to just admit that this scene actually made me cry. (gasps) Llewellyn. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a sob story, but like I definitely teared up. I definitely got emotional um, because I it, I it is the end of an era for them in a sense. And I also think it's like it was another step in the Monica Chandler relationship where Monica's yeah. like, I understand what you're thinking because we are a little flighty with some things. Yeah. But it was essentially her saying, like, I love him and he loves me. And like, we're not we're not faking this anymore. Like we're being real. And so I just love that it was such a tender moment between the two girls and like I love that Rachel wasn't afraid to just be like this is why I don't feel like this is gonna be a thing yeah it was so good I did cry I had to admit it I I definitely was like feeling it um because like anytime something like like that changes for the audience it also it's like you're grieving the loss of yeah what is like consistent and normal like change is always hard so even though all the same friends are going to be in the show like nobody's leaving change like that always elicits elicits something in me that's like uncomfortable um so i totally like i there's no even there's not even any shame in that because i i get that um okay so in the hall Things are coming to a head with Phoebe and Ross. So Ross runs into Phoebe in the hall and he's like, oh gosh, like you can tell he does not want to be in her presence. And he has to admit that he couldn't get the divorce. Now, Phoebe thinks that she's right about him being in love, but he tries to talk his way out of it by explaining like he's at the end of his lie. Like he's going to go tell her right now. And will that get Phoebe off of his back about the whole love thing? But she's like, I have never been so convinced. <laughs> I've never been more convinced than in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, but that's the thing. Like when you when you do things to try and prove the point, it actually kind of solidifies the thing that you're trying to deny. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Ross comes in because he's like, this, that's it. I'm done. He like storms into the girl's apartment to find a crying Rachel at the kitchen table. And he tries to console her. And then we get this little glimpse that like, I think he realizes he has feelings and that Phoebe is definitely right. You know, maybe that's where the episode title comes from, because when he's doing like when he's giving her that hug, it's like he has a moment of realization. Maybe. So maybe that's maybe why. it's a play. Maybe hug is a play on love. Maybe the one where Ra- Ross loves Rachel, but they couldn't yeah. say loves because one episode titles usually got out before the episodes dropped in like on national TV. So people would know. Right. And hugs could be like an innuendo or like a euphemism for the yeah. fact that he loves her. Okay, yeah. that makes sense to me a little Full bit circle. more. Brought it if, around. If the writers were actually clever enough and were not just like deducing something that didn't actually exist. But we'll just we'll just say that they did. They're they're smart people that had a you know, multi million Yeah, it was their career <laughs> thing. So yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. We'll I think them. we figured it out. We figured it out yeah. for us and for our friends. Look at us. Serving yeah. the people. Um, yes. One <laughs> final fact. Yeah. So the fact that for the next few episodes, Phoebe is the only friend who knows that Ross and Rachel are still married is an indication of how much a part Phoebe will play in the relationship between them in the future, culminating in Phoebe being the one that drives Ross to the airport to catch Rachel in the series finale. Oh, that's a good tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of like, it's like the spark. mm that like lights their you know eventual yeah over the next eventual thing. five seasons <laughs> yeah it's the longest it's the longest thing ever the longest will they won't they in the planet and i hate it it's so yeah. dumb yeah okay <laughs> anyways we already know my feelings about our feelings about it okay the tag scene the final scene in this episode we are in the cafe with joey and phoebe and he's sort of like reflecting on the latest happenings in the group. Ross and Rachel Joey, are married. Yeah. Joey asks the question everybody watching is wondering. <laughs> That's so true. Ross and Rachel are married. Chandler and Monica are moving in. Should they hook up? <laughs> and I love how like, I love how Joey didn't say like, should we get together? Because that would insinuate more and it wouldn't really be yeah. in Joey's like character. But like a hookup seems totally like Joey. Yeah. To which Phoebe replies, oh, we do, but just not yet. (laughs) And she expounds on this by explaining this whole timeline of like interconnected love stories between the six in the group. Yeah, it was it was so funny. Which is it's interesting because like, so what, there's only six people on the entire planet that can be together. Like none of them ever go outside of the friend group to like find love in this made up like universe and i think the one thing that they missed like they missed it on was when they were talking about like when like we'll have all the money because of chandler's divorce because chandler's gonna make all the money so when they get divorced they're gonna have the money and then when the kids no longer they they were like we can and and of course we can have the kids because Rachel's of Rachel's drinking problem I thought they were gonna say like because we have all the money and can afford them but they Mm -hmm. they threw in like a random drinking problem thing and I was like that just doesn't like align with like what we know of Rachel you know like it's not really like in her branding it's not like an issue that they've ever like said is her problem Chandler smoking yes we know that's an issue but like 
Rachel drinking has never been hinted at as like an issue. I thought they were just going to say like, because now we have all the money from Chandler's, like from Chandler, we can have all the kids, like we can afford them all. So it'll be a perfect marriage between Joey and Phoebe. But I did think it was really funny, this like made up scenario of like the six of them just interchanging their romantic relationships with each other. Yeah, it was brilliant. (laughs) Okay. Favorite scene of this episode. Um, I mean, if a scene makes me cry, it has to be my favorite. So that's definitely the scene where Rachel and Monica finally have the talk. That's good. Mine's on the opposite end of the spectrum. The scene with the lawyer for Ross for me. I thought the lawyer was hilarious. I was, That's funny. I laughed multiple times. Ross feeling like ashamed. Him getting called out by the lawyer. The lawyer being like, like, you need therapy. <laughs> yeah. The, the lawyer's so like, funny. he just like deadpanned everything he said. Yes. And it was the best. I think that's why I loved it so much because Ross brings a lot of like facial and like physical comedy to the thing. Whereas this guy was just like a no nonsense lawyer that was like totally calling him out. And like, I thought it was hilarious. So I think that scene with the lawyer had to be my, my absolute favorite. Um, Episode rating. Um, I'm going to say we were on a break. Lower than the last one. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn because like that scene did make me cry, but like, it's honestly, I don't know. Maybe actually, maybe I'll, maybe I'll up it to Unagi just a five. Um, simply because we had that realization of like the hug and like maybe why they named it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it was a good episode, but it and it was funny in a lot of moments and it did make me cry. But I don't think like overall, like it was an episode that I would love to watch again. Um, But it is important in the storyline of things. So I think it is one that like if you're watching for strictly like this overarching overarching storyline, like you would need to watch this one. Mm-hmm. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It okay. just wasn't like wasn't enough for me to like bump it above or like really to it wasn't bad enough to make it like super low okay cool what about you i think this episode was better than the last one so i'm gonna give it a seven 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 um i of course like i said the lawyer was my absolute favorite um i loved phoebe calling ross out on the whole like love story thing while also trying to get him to see that like being divorced three times like wasn't that big of a deal by like coordinating that with the woman like the women um i i like the whole ross and rachel or rachel and um monica like monica throwing herself a big pity party for not eliciting the feelings that she wants i love like how sad joey was over chandler moving out and how like there were what they what was the nickname that they called he called them themselves like the the duo of them the chant the uh, chant. J, I wrote it down J-Mans and Channy yeah and he's like who calls us that <laughs> he's like I have to know I just thought that yeah. was really funny like and it's probably no one but Joey but like you know he's gonna miss his bud like it's gonna be really hard I just thought it was a really I thought it moves the storyline forward because pretty soon we're gonna change everything and people are gonna move out and find new places to live and we're going to see like how them moving in together like changes their relationship and dynamic and um yeah I just thought it was really good 
um, or good enough, you know, to, to be up there a little past, a little past median. Um, okay. Into the post show wrap up then trivia time. Yes. Um, which of the guys once bought a pair of leather pants? (laughs) Ross. Ross. Yeah. Okay. And which friend was a high school prom queen? Rachel. Rachel. Oh, those were easy. It was almost the second one was almost so easy that I was like second guessing. I was like, what if it was was a joke with like like, Chandler? Yeah. But no, we were correct. We were correct. Okay, cool. Uh, Social media spotlight. I am continuing from last week's, um, or I guess the holiday overflood of um, personal messages that we got. So I'm continuing with um, Taryn, who responded, I don't know. Uh, Llewellyn, if you notice, but I have since taken up the mantle of posting. Um, remember how I told you I had gotten a uh, friend's calendar for my birthday? One of my friends like gave it to me. Yes, I did. I do remember. And I have I have been watching. So every day I've just been posting like what the thing says since it's all friends related. So yeah. um, uh, so Taryn just interacted with uh with one of the posts of that and said like uh, a blizzard it was going from day two to day three and the um, some of them are just pictures some of them are quotes and then some of them are trivia so she responded to what prevents most wedding guests from getting to Phoebe's wedding which was a blizzard so thanks Taryn for interacting with us on socials um Manang Longkumer sent us the real um, and I didn't hilarious. realize I didn't realize that he had sent us this reel. And until yet after you posted it. until after and and yet I posted it. Um, but I'll just give Manang like the credit for sending that to us because he technically got to it before we did. But I didn't actually see it until just now. So thanks, Manang, for thinking of us because I think that reel is hilarious. It's about Rachel and Ross and Toes. And if that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know what will. <laughs> It's pretty so funny. Gross. I also saw it like offhandedly, like before I saw that you posted it. Yes. So I'm glad that you posted it. Yeah. It's just, it was such a funny parallel. It's like, oh, that's what I love. Like every time you watch it, you can get something new if you're like tying things together, which I love. Um, We heard from Mahir Tambadia. He said, uh, hey guys, sorry for disappearing for such a long time. I had exams and admissions going on. And I have it's, I have started with my bachelor's degree. Happy New Year to you guys. Mihir, good luck on your bachelor's degree. We know that that is a lot of work, um, a lot of exams, a lot of papers, a lot of studying. So good luck in your efforts. And we hope that our continued podcast gives you a little bit of levity in between yeah. your study sessions. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also got some interactions from Kimberly over the holidays. Um, we had done this uh, when we did one of our, I think it was in season one, during the episode when Ross has to give the monkey up, him, Joey, and Chandler are on the couch doing the monkey emoji phases, faces. And I think we talked about that, how it's like, see no evil, yeah. hear no evil, speak no evil. Yeah. Um, but they drew the parallel that like that's what it looks like on the emojis from the iPhone. And then uh, she did also respond to us um, when we were outside of the friends experience. Um 
and then also responded about the trivia about why people were late. And she mentioned the snow, which was obviously right on cue, and then laughed at the reel that we found out Mahir, or, uh, uh, Manang sent us about the the toes parallel between Ross and Rachel. So Kimberly, thank you for interacting with us. The final and last one that has been backed up since the holidays is we heard from our Swedish friend. I had reached out after kind of a really long time gap um, because uh, she had reached out and said, thanks for getting back to me. I had a really rough summer uh, confidence wise um, because of like a bunch of uh, essays and, and learning English and all that stuff. But she reached out to let us know that she passed her English essay for her teaching degree in August, and she's now a qualified teacher. So congratulations to our Swedish friend. We're very happy for you. We know that that's not a lot or that's a lot of work as well. Um, and we just said like congrats to um, to her. She sent us the essay in the case we wanted to read it. Um, yeah. And then just said like, that's so sweet of you. Happy holidays. So Thank you to our Swedish friend um, and congratulations on passing and becoming an English teacher, a qualified English teacher. Um, We love that. Um, uh, We did get the thing that said, let us know what you what we thought if we check it out. So um, I will have a lot of reading time on my hands over these next couple months as I'm trying to stay unplugged from my phone. So um, I will probably pick that up at some point in the future and go through it just because uh, I want to just kind of honor you for sending that in. So, and doing the work. So that wraps up all of our holiday social media spotlight. Yep. Quite a bit. Backlog. Quite a bit. And we love hearing from you guys. So keep sending <sighs> we us do. stuff. We do. We really appreciate it. Um, okay. Recommend to a friend. Let's do yeah. it. Do you want to go first this time? So I went first last time. I will go first. Okay. Okay. As a Christmas present to my friend group, or, okay, we decided that we weren't going to give each other gifts. We were just all going to pay for tickets for ourselves to go to a hockey game in Nashville. For those of you who don't follow hockey at all, which I typically do not, the Nashville Predators is the team. They play at Bridgestone Arena, which is right in the heart of downtown uh, Nashville, right on Broadway, um, kind of on the southwestern end of Broadway before you really get into like where the honky tonks and the bars are, but it's still right on that same street. Um, we on Black Friday had gotten really cheap tickets. They were like 20 bucks per person. So we said, let's skip on giving each other gifts. Let's just do, um, let's just go to a Preds game together. So we went and it was so much fun. In the past, I have previously not been a fan of both soccer and hockey for the same reasons. And the reason is soccer is too slow that nobody scores and hockey is usually too fast that nobody scores. So it usually ends up being like, oh, they won one to zero or two to one. And you're like, this is the most boring because like nothing happens to celebrate. But when I tell you this was so fun, the Predators won six to two. So we were constantly celebrating goals. 
Um, there wasn't any big fight, but they kept having to put people in penalties because they'd get like really close to it. Um, so that made it really exciting. And then um, I just, it was so much fun going with the girls. We went out to dinner beforehand. We walked there from where we ate because it was pretty close and we didn't want to have to pay like 20 bucks for parking. And it was just such a fun experience. So what I'm going to recommend is that if you don't typically follow hockey, which again, I do not, I will say that now I am a Predators fan. I wouldn't say I'm a hockey fan, but I would say I'm a Predators fan and I would absolutely go again. So if you, um, I'll maybe even expand it. If you haven't gone to a sporting event of a sport that you normally don't follow, I highly recommend it. Get out of your comfort zone. Go see a whole nother slew of fans at a different sport. Get in on the experience. Do the cheers. Um, I will say that the Predators fans are ruthless. Like one of our, like one of the cheers is, hey, you suck. So that's just like, (laughs) you know, very sportsmanlike. (laughs) Um, But it was just so fun. So highly recommend going to a hockey game or just going to a sporting event of a sport that you don't normally follow. It was such a fun experience. I will definitely be doing again. It got me out of my normal comfort zone of things that I normally do which made me feel like I was being adventurous and doing something outside of the norm, which made me feel good about myself. So it was just a fun experience. So I highly recommend that to a friend. Nice. Yeah. I haven't been to a hockey game in so long, but I would concur. They're always fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mine is totally different. So last episode, I think Leanne asked me if I have any new year's resolutions and (laughs) i said no because i technically don't i didn't like put pen to paper like i usually do um but subconsciously i have a few and one of those is that i and i feel like this is a recurring one every year um but because i haven't physically written them down i think this one's like sticking a little harder because i i want to be more intentional Mm -hmm. i would like to read at least 12 books this year Mm. um like physical books, not audio, not on like an ebook, like a physical, like 12 physical books. And I picked 12 because that, that gives me like a month, like one per month, which is a, a recent, like a doable thing mm-hmm. um, for somebody who I enjoy reading, but unless it's a book that like captivates me in the first 50 pages, I will not finish it. So it has to be good from the get go. Um, so I went to the store with a friend of mine the other day and I was like, I always pick mysteries, thrillers, because those tend to like captivate me quickly, but like, I want to branch out. So I'm not normally a romance novel person. I do enjoy an occasional rom-com like movie. Um, so I was like, maybe if I could find something like that's got that rom-com feel, but like a book, that'd be great. And then I was still kind of on the high from New York that I was like, I want it to be like in New York City. Mm. So I specifically was looking for a romance novel that was based in New York City and that wasn't like 5,000 pages long. Ah, um, yes. And I went to like a books a million, I think. So there's like a, a, a ton of books. It's like, I don't even know where to look. So I started in like the bargain section. I was like, if I'm going to buy a book that I may not actually read, I'm going to get a cheap book. Mm-hmm. And I happened to find one um, called The Lies That Bind by Emily Giffen. And after bringing it home and like opening the front page and like kind of looking at, you know, like what she's written or whatever, I realized that she wrote the book Something Borrowed, 
which is also a movie mm. like yes for like years ago yes and i've seen the movie and i actually believe i read that book at some point so i've already read a book of hers which is nice um but essentially the book is about and i won't spoil it but it's about it's based in new york city in 2001 and it's Oof. written in a time of 9-11 if mm-hmm. you guys are familiar with what that is i think we've talked about it on this yeah we've talked before. about it mm-hmm. um the 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 girl in the book is a reporter and so she talks about 9-11 and like essentially she falls in love with somebody and then he goes missing on 9-11 and that's like kind of what they it's kind of how they like preface it so I start reading it like fully expecting it to be like a cut and paste like simple thing but she like weaves in these like mysterious things like you think it's gonna go one way and then she's like it's gonna go this way for the next 100 pages and you're like what what and I literally, I started it on Monday and I finished it yesterday. So like, and it's it's Saturday for reference. So literally like five days is all it took for me to read this book. And I'm not a reader. Like I don't read that often, but I couldn't put it down. Like I literally, every chance I had, I was just like reading and reading. And I told my roommate last night as I was like finishing it, I was like maybe 15 pages from being done. And I was like, this isn't going to end the way I want it to end. And she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, because I want it to end a certain way. And then it ended the way I wanted it to end in the last three pages. I was like, I don't even know. You just threw us a left hook there. I don't even know what happened. But anyways, I say all this to say, if you like romance and you like a little bit of mystery, because there is a little bit of mystery in it, um, I highly recommend The Lies That Bind. Um, when I went online to like record that I had read this book, I noticed there was a lot of people that were like giving it no stars because they said it was boring and it can be boring in sections but I think just like I'm a his like I love history and it's 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 hard to say but like I I enjoy reading things about like tragedies that have, that have happened in our country um and so like to read a book that like talks about 9-11 and like the perspective of somebody that was in New York City when it happened like it put me back in that place in a sense and I actually like teared up at some points when she was talking about it because like this is such a big moment in our nation's like history that like it's it's hard to read about but also like it's so good to hear like perspectives perspectives of other people um and I don't know like how accurate some of the stuff is she said but it was good so for somebody who doesn't really read the fact that we are like two weeks into the new year and I've already read a book I'm hoping that's good like yeah for what's to come i already ordered three more books so good for you oh i love that perfect yeah if you (sighs) have any recommendations on books out there let me know uh let's talk offline well i was talking to our friends but if you do too (laughs) (laughs) i'm just that narcissistic i was like yes i will give you (laughs) it's all about me you too but like our friends out there if you have any books that you're like oh my gosh i just read this you should read it I am like, what would you say are your like qualifications for it? Like, do you have like boundaries or guidelines to loosely follow? Um, well, I'm trying to expand on like what I read. Um, but I would say like I'm not like a sci fi person. So, like, Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't prefer that. Like, I really don't like Star Wars. So, anything in that vein, no. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not big into comics. So, like, I don't know. I guess I generally stay towards like fiction, nonfiction. I'm not against self-help books. I don't particularly love them just because I, I can't stay engaged if it's like not something that I'm working on in my life at the moment. 
Um, but yeah, and then I'm, I don't mind like crime and like dark books, but not the ones that are like horror, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I like mystery and I don't mind like true crime, that type of stuff. But like, if all this is, is like vampires are eating you and (laughs) doing whatever, like not into that. So yeah, I don't know. That was like very broad, but, and I'll take suggestions and whether I read them or not is, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, cool. Well, now we all know. Send us your book recommendations. Recommend your books to us as your friend. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, cool. So it's been a first two good episodes to kick off the year um, or the new season, I mean. Um, And next week, we are going to continue on with the one with Ross's denial. I wonder what that's going to be about. (laughs) Right. We'll see you guys next week on the One Friends podcast. 